So as you're pretty well familiar, Eric uh, has been here before. I have to thank Chris Schrader for being the one who was responsible for introducing us. And from there became sort of this love-hate relationship between Eric and myself that has stemmed up until today. And uh, our rivalries go way back to uh, the playoffs as he's a Minnesota fan. And, uh, of course, the Jets fan and I would be taking pictures and sending them your way and rubbing salt in the wound as much as I could. But Eric is a great friend. And uh, when Chris presented that, uh, you know, Eric's available, would you take him? Without question. Without question. Eric has been, uh, I've been following your trail. You've been global and uh, working with Hillsong and other folks all over the place and other types of things, doing school events talking about hope, talking about uh, Jesus, depending on the venue. And it's just a pleasure to have him. And one day, we will have you and your family here. And uh, we will experience it together. And so will you please give Eric a wonderful Winnipeg Jets welcome as he takes the stage here. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. That was very nice. Um, so those of you that are Canadian and you don't know it's Canada Day today, and you laugh, but yet when I was in the lobby, and I won't point this sir out, I said, hey, happy Canada Day. You should blow something up. And he goes, that's tomorrow. I go, no. It's July 1st. It's Canada Day today. And he goes, oh, okay. And he got his phone out and he looked at it. You know, I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> He's in here. And he looks on his phone and goes, oh, yeah, you're right. It's, it is Canada Day. It's pretty bad when an American has to remind you. <laughs> I thought so, too. Uh, I know all the provinces. I won't name them for you. Um, but it's amazing to be in this country and... Winnipeg, I love this city. Um, I love Pastor Jerry. I love his family, and I love this church. I believe that God is doing something in Soul Sanctuary, and there is a new season ahead of this church, and I hope you're a part of it. I hope you dig your teeth into it, uh, and you walk through the stuff that's been amazing, and you walk through the stuff that's been hard, because this is a special place, and you're a special people uh, for a number of reasons. But one being, you're very close to BDI. <laughs> Jerry took me there one time, and that ice cream shop changed my life forever. That, and I had this pizza last night called Santa Luicia or whatever. Lucia. Lucia? I don't care what saint made it. It's delicious. <laughs> Little angels back there putting those sundry. Oh, my word. And shawarma con? Don't even get me started. Winnipeg is home to a lot of great food. You know this is true, right? Um, but I came prepared today for Canada Day, and I'm from Minnesota, okay, which is technically part of Canada, <laughs> weather-wise for sure, um, and I came prepared, and I just, for the remainder of my message, in honor of this beautiful place you call home on this beautiful day, is it okay if I put this on and just preach in this for Canada Day? It was so expensive because of the tariffs. (laughs) 
but I apologize. Wait, we don't do that in America anymore, apparently. But it's an honor to wear this, and actually I've got a, this is, I gotta admit, this is a pretty cool jersey, and I get to wear it now, like when the U.S. hockey team is knocked out, uh, I've got something to wear for the rest of the Olympics, whatever Olympic it may be, you pick, it doesn't really matter, unless it's the 1980s and we made that movie that one time. I want you to think back, think about that, are you with me now? Okay. I want you to think back just a couple weeks ago when, like, okay, think NHL, think like first ever, think Jets, okay, think when you had this, okay, when you had hope. <laughs> think, think about that. Remember that one time you had hope? Oh, this is brutal, I know already. But I want you just to think about this force that we call hope. You, you got you to gotta understand hope happens by sort of a scientific formula. Um, H. You got to have the Jets to be the Jets. You got to have hope to be hope. So let's just go down this trail through these letters. You got to have hope to be hope, just like you got to have the Jets to be the Jets. And if you're here today and, and, and you have Jesus as your savior, the king of your life, you have hope. Do you know that? Like you can have cancer, you can have disease, death, you can be surrounded by a diagnosis, you can be walking through a divorce. I don't know, that's just the letter D. We could go through the entire alphabet, but with Jesus, you have hope. The perfect king of kings came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross to restore us to the Father, conquered death so it doesn't conquer you for the forgiveness of our sins. And because of this, we have this, this force, this eternal thing that we call hope. Are you with me? You got to have hope to be hope. And if you got Jesus, you have hope. And if you got the jets, you get to be the jets. Oh, it's got to be presented with genuine opportunity. Let's talk about hockey for a second. Genuine opportunity, the first ever playoff berth for the Winnipeg Jets happened. That was a genuine opportunity. Do you remember that game? I remember that game when you made your first playoff win. You know why I remember that game? Because it was against the Wild. You're like our new Blackhawks. But you got to be presented with genuine, oh, opportunity. Now, let's, let's just talk about life. Uh, our heart is filled, and then it's presented with genuine opportunity. Now, now, I get stuck here sometimes. I want you to think about the people that um, you walk by, if you've ever walked by anyone downtown Winnipeg. There's a chance you've walked by someone who is homeless who is hurting, who's bound up, there's a chance. In fact, depending on the time of day, a pretty good chance. Whether it be here in your city or whether it be at another place, do you remember the time when you walk by the person who is in need and they're at the point of that need where they're willing to beg for food, 
money. Let's remove all of the other insulators that we sometimes think about when it comes to what are they going to do with that money. But let's just remember the time, that one time that maybe happened or will happen when someone says, hey, do you have any spare change? I'm down on my luck. I'm holding a sign. Can you give me something? And we are forced with a decision. Is this a genuine opportunity or is it not? You can have all the spare change in your pocket and the person asks you, do you have any spare change? And, and we lie. And we tell them no. We tell her no. We don't have any spare change. We don't have any loonies or toonies or any of that plastic money that I can give you right now. I just, I don't have it. And you have it. In fact, you have access to it. You have it in your car. You have it on your purse. You have it on your body. Why don't you answer that question in truth? It's because you don't think it's a genuine opportunity. It's because I don't think it's a genuine opportunity. When someone who's homeless walks up to me, who I think they're going like, to just perpetuate the drug or alcohol problem that they have, I have a hard time just pulling out the money and giving it to them because I don't think the opportunity is what? genuine. But when you find out that the opportunity is genuine, what do we do? You're willing to give that person the shirt off your back. Here, how can I help you? This is a genuine opportunity. What do you need? Hope happens when your heart is filled. You got to have hope to be hope. You got to have the Jets to be the Jets. You got to have a genuine opportunity, a first ever playoff berth. The, gen the, the opportunity must be genuine. None of us want to be deceived. And then we move to this next place, a higher plan or purpose. Uh, hockey, the, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup. That's the highest plan or purpose for any hockey team in the NHL. But for us, the higher plan or purpose that we have is the heartbeat of the Father. The higher plan or purpose is heaven's agenda. And I'll just tell you very frankly what heaven's agenda is. That none should perish. That people matter to God. No matter what color you are or what color you are not, whether you are here legally or illegally, whatever you are an immigrant or you are a native or you are indigenous or you are this, that, or fill in the blank, you are a human and you have value and people matter to God. Heaven's plans is that no people should perish. That's the heart of the Father. Doesn't matter how you vote or how you don't vote, whether you wear red, white, and blue or just red and white, people matter to God. And then it's got to be executed into reality. Then you got to see this take place where your heart is filled and then it's presented with genuine opportunity. Then it's aligned with heaven's plans or purpose. And then we execute it into reality. And the Jets got close <laughs> to executing it into reality further than they ever had. But then there's this Vegas Knights thing that basically stealed all of the great players from all of the teams and then they just obliviated everybody in their first season. Not fair. Doesn't matter. But you see what I'm saying. Like even in hockey, they got close. But we get to execute reality or execute hope into reality. Do you know that you are a door, that you are a gate for hope? And there comes a point in your life when you follow Jesus where hope is no longer something you pray for, it's something that you become. Do you hear what I'm telling you? 
There's a point in your maturity as you grow in Christ that hope is something you possess and have. Yes, I get it. There's circumstances that may surround you at times that seem hopeless, but it's out of the inside out that you're living, not the outside in that you're living. And hope is something that you no longer are seeking. It's something that you found. It's something you possess and you don't pray for hope. You become hope. And those of you that are following Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus, this church is a launching pad for you to be hope, for you to execute it into reality because people are praying for hope. They're looking for hope in Winnipeg, not just in hockey, but in their life. And guess, guess who gets to execute it in reality? You and me. Hope happens when your heart is filled. You gotta have hope to be hope. You're presented with genuine opportunity and then you align it with heaven's plans or purpose and then you execute it into reality. You do the natural, he does the super. Hope shows up on the scene. This is how hope happens. But there's a force. There's a force that keeps us from executing it into reality. When I was a kid, I had a waterbed. <laughs> if you have a waterbed, as soon as you get done with church today, you need to sell it because you're weird. <laughs> In fact, if you're here and you have a waterbed and a MySpace, we can't be friends. If you're here and you're Mennonite and you have a waterbed and a MySpace, we can be friends. But the point is, is I had a waterbed, okay? And it's just such a goofy thing, these waterbeds. Like my whole childhood, I was like, good night, mom. Good night. Sleep good. Yeah, I love you too, but mom, I'm putting on my floaties tonight. I'm going to go out past the covers. You know what I'm talking about? It's a bed of water. It's the ridiculous. And I had a dog and we were wrestling on the, on the, on the waterbed. By the way, how many of you just clap if you've ever done this where you... When you get into bed, you run and you, no matter what age you are, you, you still jump into bed. Clap if that's you. You've done that in your life. Some of you are not clapping and you're lying because you all, we all have, you know what I'm saying? You get ready and then you run, you jump into bed because that's where Chucky lives or whatever, you know, not the doll, you know what I'm talking about? The, the actual mechanical rat from Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Have you ever been to that place? Chuck E. Cheese, you're just playing skee-ball at a birthday party with your brother. Hey, this is fun. Also, the mechanical, like, nine-foot rat. Hey, you want some tickets? <laughs> like, no, Chucky, I don't want some tickets. And clean your ball pit. I got ringworm. <laughs> My childhood in a sentence. <laughs> but... I was wrestling in the dog on the waterbed and the dog's claw punctured the water. The water went over to the stereo that I had saved three summers up. I had saved three summers working manual construction, okay? And it was $2,500 worth of stereo equipment. The water, the stereo, the electronics, the water, all of it mixed. There was a fire in my room. My dad came in with the fire extinguisher. I remember taking that melted 
heap of Sony and just like putting it in the recycle bin, like just put it right down in the bottom. We didn't recycle, I threw it away. (laughs) But that was my treasure. I went to a Bible college in Minneapolis at North Central University, it's an Assembly of God school there, which explains a lot of things. And I uh, bought a guitar. Well, let me back up. I went to the financial aid office and they said, Eric, we want to give you an extra $3,000. Excuse me? We want to give you an extra $3,000 for anything that would enhance your collegiate experience. Anything? Anything. Like, what would not be on this list? Nothing is not on this list. You take this money and you just do whatever you need to do with it to enhance your collegiate experience. That's all they said. You gotta pay that back, you know that, right? I didn't know now, like then, right? I just took the money, I went straight to Guitar Center. I bought Slash's guitar from Guns N' Roses. It wasn't actually Slash's guitar, but it was a guitar that Slash played from Guns N' Roses. And it's okay, you're in church, you can clap for Guns N' Roses. Thank you, somebody is honest. One of these times I come to Seoul, I want this band during coffee time to cover Paradise City, okay? And we just say it's about heaven. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Take down to up. Take me up to Paradise City where the streets are gold and the angels are pretty. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Let's do that. Let's make that a thing. Work on that, please. <laughs> it's in the paper. I bought Slash's Gibson Les Paul. It had three P90 pickups with a double binding and pearl trapezoidal inlays. It was unbelievable. It made you a better player just because you owned it. I had a Delta 88 Oldsmobile that I bought from my grandmother for a dollar. I had a cool guitar, but that car was sketchy. But I put the guitar in the car and I went back into this venue in Minneapolis to get my amp and I came back to the car and someone had smashed out the windows of my car and they've now taken the guitar. Never saw that guitar again. $3,500 that I borrowed fair and square from the federal government. Never saw it. And that guitar was my treasure. Uh, when, when my wife and I got married, uh, we got to the place where we were going to make our first purchase, like large purchase. Uh, when you first get married, you, you're sort of, you should always be mindful that money is not evil. What you do with it certainly can put you in some tough spots. It's a tool. So we, we were at the place where we had been kind of channeling it to debt. Now we're like, let's get a car. Let's just, let's just get a vehicle. Um, and so I wanted a Volkswagen Golf. Twin turbo VR6 with a Gretti turbo timer, new speed sway bay kit, you know, like a diesel short shift kit, chop, hop, you know, new speed coilover, side mount intercooler, upgrade the turbos to, to KO4s. Just basic transportation. Like, you know, the Mennonites, just basic horsepower. You know what I'm talking about? You know what she wanted? A Volkswagen Beetle. Ugh. With the flower vase in the dash. 
I do not drive cars with flowers in dashes, okay? And I don't drink coffee from straws. I'm kidding, that was for Jerry. But the point is, is I wanted this car, she wanted that car, and so we compromised like most good marriages. And we got the Beetle. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that. And if you don't, you're not married, so buckle up. <laughs> Your whole life will be filled with compromise. One compromise after another until you're just an empty shell of a man. <laughs> Welcome to marriage, it's great. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. We were driving home, and this guy's bumper fell off his car, uh, like this Ford F3000-something, made a huge V in the bottom of the oil pan of my Beetle. Uh, all the oil went out, engine seized up, car was totaled. And that, that was our first car, and that, that was our treasure. I am 39 years old, and I am a guest again here on this stage with people that I don't consider an event, but I consider friends. And all through my life, Saul, I have had different treasures. I could categorize them. I could put them on a list. Things that I've worked for. Things that I've borrowed money to get. Only then to pay back over time at an interest rate to then pay more for the item that I originally wanted because I A, couldn't afford it, or B, wanted it sooner. Things that I've saved for and then spent. Things that I've compromised for. All through my life, I have had different treasures, and I could give you the list of collections, of cars, of stuff, and I'm 39 yet again here, and I don't have many of those things I think or I thought were my treasure. It's like that boat you bought that now you can't wait to sell. Or that storage area full of stuff that you just don't even need. The purse that you were so excited to purchase and then years later it's like, this is just a rag. I'm bringing it to Goodwill and giving it to someone who, who will use it. It's just clutter. The collection of shoes or I don't know what it is, but you have treasure that you have owned or that you've pursued or that you've saved for, and, and there's a good chance that you are here at this stage in your life and you don't have that anymore. I am convinced that what will keep us from this final stage of executing hope into reality, it's not that our heart isn't full. It's not that the opportunity isn't genuine. It's not that it's not aligned with heaven's plans or purpose, but the force that the enemy wants to keep us from executing hope into reality is treasuring the wrong things. When we store up treasure in the wrong place, we keep hope from going to the right place. When you store up treasure in the wrong place, you keep hope from going to the right place. What we treasure, what we treasure opens or closes that gate called hope in the natural that swings on the hinges of you and your life. 
Where is your treasure? Jesus talks about this. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God's Son, not the guest from America that threw on a jersey on Canada Day that came here. This isn't me speaking, this is Jesus speaking to you and to me, to his disciples, to his followers, to the light bearers, to the image restorers, to the remnant, to the people of God. This is Christ, the name above all names, the one that every knee will bow to. This is who is speaking to us. And he says in Matthew 6, 19, and by the way, if you don't have a Bible, talk to one of the prayer uh, counselors or someone with, from Seoul that has a, has a lanyard on or, or one of the pastors or somebody that you saw on the stage and we'll get you a Bible or stay at a hotel. <laughs> and, and just take it. That's, that's where I got this one. <laughs> Jesus says this. Jesus says, do not, do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth Jesus says this. You can translate this any way that you want, but you're going to end up with a powerful word and phrase every time. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Now, now you back up in the beginning of Matthew 6. Jesus says, beware when you practice righteousness. He says, beware when you practice righteousness that you don't just do this out in public. So, I'll just ask you a question. How do you practice righteousness? Like, how, how do we define righteousness? Like, how do you yourself practice right living or righteousness? Let's just go through a couple lists. You ready? We don't look at porn. That's, that's practicing righteousness. Um, any sort of sexual dysfunction will absolutely radically destroy your life. We don't drink alcohol to drunkenness. Uh, we can talk about the other issues. I'm not here to even talk through that right now. But the point is, is like too much uh, will just, just you, you, we practice abstinence. We practice righteousness by only listening to Christian music. That's a big one. You practice righteousness by only having Christian like content and like cross-stitched like, like little posters in your house. You only have precious moments that's practicing righteousness. We only listen to Chris Tomlin. That's it. Nobody else practicing righteousness. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you watch movies, it's PG at best. PG-13, you are flirting with the edge of righteousness. Or forget it. You're out the window. You're not even practicing righteousness. That's a straight debauchery. Do you understand what I'm saying? I say those things in jest, okay? God is interested in your heart. And I, I, I'm not here to make a big list of behaviors of do's and don'ts. It's, it, following Jesus has nothing to do with what you can do to get away with what you can get away with. Following Jesus has everything to do with running to the light. It's the goodness of God that calls us to repentance. And those things fade in that glory. And whatever part of the journey that you're on, you are welcome here. Jesus meets you just as you are at. This church meets you. You belong here. And then you believe. And then you become. You don't have to become something and then believe something and then belong here. The way of the Christ is that the truth meets you where you're at. And his grace, his grace meets you where you're at. And the truth will never leave you there. And you're all on this journey together. 
But we have a definition in our minds somewhere of what is right and what is righteousness when we practice it. Jesus' definition, beware when you practice righteousness, he uses a word, it's tzedakah, and it's actually translated almsgiving. So I want you just to process that for a second because Jesus' way of practicing righteousness has everything to do with what we're giving of our resource. Volunteering on a team, your life currency, practicing righteousness. Two loonies or toonies, practicing righteousness. Almsgiving is how Jesus defines this. When you start looking at the way of the Christ and how he translates the word righteousness, whenever Jesus is talking about that in the gospel, you can make a very strong case that he is talking about almsgiving. We have a different definition. And then Jesus gets into this whole teaching on treasure. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth can eat away, where rust can decay, uh, where thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth cannot eat away, thieves cannot break in and steal, rust cannot destroy, because where your heart is, there your treasure is. Treasure is stored up in heaven. How do we store up whatever it is in heaven? What is going to be in heaven? The stuff that we had or the people that we had that stuff with? I'm asking you. Because the reality is treasuring the wrong things will keep us from executing hope into reality. People are treasure. I'm going to say it as clear as I can make it. What is going to be in heaven? People. What do we store up? People. What is treasure? People. People are treasure. Not this jersey, not this shoes, not my Harley Davidson that's made in Europe now. People are treasure. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Do not let the enemy ever deceive you for anything else. People are treasure. And when it comes to hope, great hockey teams to execute it into reality, they got to have the right people on the ice. And when it comes to hope and us in our lives here in, in, in our neighborhoods or in your town of Winnipeg or, or in your country or where I live in Rochester, Minnesota, when your heart is filled, it's presented with genuine opportunity, you align it with heaven's plans and purpose and you execute it into reality and you execute it into reality by treasuring people. When we treasure something else, we don't execute it into reality and then hope stops short of becoming a reality for someone who's praying for that reality. Are you tracking with me? People are treasure. I just wanted to come and tell you that today, that there's nothing more paramount than people. People are treasure. And there is, there is a, a season here that I believe God is going to do something in, in soul, and there's a family that's supposed to be sitting here that someone needs to treasure. There's a family that's supposed to be sitting here that someone needs to treasure. People are treasure. I could tell you story after story after story after story about how hope has become a reality in, in my life through this process and, and the way of the Christ, but I'll just, I'll just tell you one as I close. What time are we supposed to end? When you're done. When I'm done. All right, we'll be here till tomorrow. I'm going to tell you one. I um, was sitting in Pennsylvania and I was eating a funnel cake. And funnel cakes are amazing. If they're not in heaven, 
it's not going to be heaven. I mean, we'll get there. I'll be like, Lord, where are the funnel cakes? I thought you said there was no suffering. God just says, hold out your hand. Ah, funnel cake. Just appears. Uh, There's no powdered sugar. Angel. An angel comes over and just flicks its wings. Powdered sugar falls. You know what I'm talking about? That's where it's from. Do you know that? Powdered sugar is from angel's wings or deodorant balls. I'm not sure. Whichever. (laughs) You're going to be eating your Tim's tomorrow. I can't finish this. Um, He ruined my life. But I'm eating this funnel cake, and this guy gets up front, he starts talking about the world that we live in. Every 15 seconds, someone dies because they can't get clean water, okay? They don't have access to clean water. So just quick math. How many access points do you have in your house for clean water? So they can't get to one place where they can get water that will sustain life. Um, How many access points do you have in your house? Let's just... My shower... My toilet, I mean, it's water. Um, a sink for me, a sink for my wife. My kids' sinks, my kids' shower, my kids' toilet. The downstairs kitchen bathroom, sink, toilet, shower. Uh, my kitchen, my refrigerator, that's got re- filtered water. I like that. Those filters are expensive, though. Um, my dishwasher, I got one, two, three, four outside hose spigots. I haven't even done the basement yet. And I'm at like 18. Oh, laundry, washer, dryer, or well, well, it's a steam dryer, it's nice. So I mean, I'm at like 20 just with the laundry. How many sources do you have? So think about that for a second. How blessed we are. I mean, it's Canada Day, you should celebrate that. That that in North America, you can walk into your house at any given point, at any level, really, wherever it is, and just go, do I want this hot or do I want this cold? And you can drink it and you're, you're great. That blows my mind. He then starts talking about like the world and how hunger works. Do you know that starvation is a preventable disease and we can fix this in our generation? Starvation is a preventable disease, yet 23,000 children are die because they can't get food. And if you're like me, you look in the fridge and it's full of food, you've done this, I know you have. You look in the pantry or the fridge and you're just like, man, there's nothing to eat in here. You shut it and order a pizza. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I mean, how many of you, by show of hands, you could get in your car right after church and celebrate Canada Day at Boston Pizza with some sort of deal that's two for 20? Two for 20 bucks, whatever it is, two entrees, two appetizers, put your hand up. You don't even need to think about it. It's not even a financial decision. Put it up and leave it up. You get in your car right now and you can afford it. Now put it up. I know you're Canadian. Come on, put it up. All the way. Look at the hands. You could just get in your car and go and get a two for 20 at like Boston Pizza or Applebee's or something like that. Okay, perfect. I mean, I could too. We don't even think about that. We have access to food, yet someone's son, someone's daughter like that will... So he's talking about these things, these stats. And I just heard it before, and so I left. And then he tells us that we can sponsor a child. And that's when I really stopped listening, because I had heard it before. And this church has got a global partnership um, with a place called Tunio in Kenya, Africa. And there has been 
very um, repetitively um, and almost, I would argue for some of you, like on this monitor, you have a hard time sometimes focusing on me and sometimes focusing on these kids. All of these pictures that have been on this screen this whole time that I have been speaking are children, someone's son or someone's daughter that this church has seen sponsored. Over 150 children from events in this building and from people that call Soul Sanctuary their home church or their gathering place for worship. These lives have been impacted and changed forever. Over 150 real sons, real daughters. Now that doesn't sound like a big number to you. But the way that World Vision does community development, you should be proud of this. I'm going to read some stats, okay? Let me speak to your head for a second of what that 150 sponsorships, 150 um, sponsorships plus the other people that are partnering with this project. Let me just tell you what's happened here, okay? 14 schools were renovated and refurnished completely to enhance the environment for the current students and to house new students. 460 girls or boys from surrounding communities that couldn't get to school were given a bicycle and now they can go to school because they can get there on a pedal bike. 10,149 kids are plugged into a club or a group that exposes them to the gospel. 10,149 kids are plugged into like an extracurricular, like Bible campus club group that's exposing them to the gospel. 172 people, uh, like moms and dads, have received training vocationally in business, finance, and microeconomics. 172 parents have gotten just like, here's the skills you need for life. 540 individuals in that community are, have been appointed to not only police, but also to uh, educate on children's rights and child safety and, and all of those things that center around the dangers of trafficking. 980 children are trained into essential, basic, critical life skills. Like simple things like washing food before you eat it so you don't get sick. The impact that this church has had in that part of the world is, is, is amazing. And I celebrate that today. And you should too. But when we hear about sponsorship, when we hear about world vision especially, which is out of Mississauga, which is one of the most fiscally responsible NGOs in your country, not only in your country, but in the globe, that, has more, that gives more people in the developing world water than any other organization on the planet. You should be proud of what World Vision Canada does. It's unbelievable the lives that they're changing. But when we hear about sponsorship, like I do when I was eating that funnel cake, we've heard it before. We've seen the commercial, the person at the airport that's like standing there with that kid and they want to talk to you and you're like, I got to go. And you may have to go. 
It's easy for us to get sort of desensitized to all this all along. I want to wake us all up to the fact that when you have the Holy Spirit speak to you and and put someone on the crossroads of your life, you have an opportunity to be hope in the flesh. To put skin on the gospel, to, to do the natural and let him do the super. To let that gate swing on your life and execute it in reality. And what will keep us from doing that, what will keep us from sponsoring a child or another child or more children, it's not that our heart isn't filled, and frankly, it's not that our bank accounts aren't filled either. Uh, It's not that the opportunity isn't genuine, because it is. This is an actual little girl named Helen, and she is in that place. You could go to her house. It's not that uh, it's not aligned with heaven's plans and purpose, but the force that keeps us from pulling the trigger, from executing into reality, so often is our treasure. And Jesus says, store it up in the right place because people are treasure. I left. I just got up on my chair and I left because that guy was talking about sponsorship. And then the Holy Spirit just asked me a simple question. He said, Eric, I know you know about poverty, but do you know a child in abject poverty by name? I walked over to this table. I picked out this little girl from Nicaragua. I filled out the form. I put it on my debit card, because on my credit card, actually, because I wanted the airline miles. I turned it in. I'm being honest. I got kids. We got to go to Disney. Treasure. But I turned it in, and I showed my wife, and she says, this is amazing. All she said was, this is amazing. I said, well, how do you think we're going to afford this 39 bucks? She says, we're just going to split Starbucks. I said, what? We'll split Starbucks. We'll go to Starbucks. Every time we go to Starbucks, we'll just get one drink, the big one. I'll pick it, and then we'll just pour it. (laughs) Compromise. (laughs) So we would go to Starbucks, and instead of getting like this little size, we'd get like the big size, right? The venti or trahinta or whatever it is, and then the, we, you know, the half a gallon of coffee, the American cup. It's like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and we would just pour it in the other cup, and that's all we did to afford the thirty-nine dollars. And the truth is, is if you had your hand up and you could drive to Moxie's or like a shawarma con, or you could go to that pizza place, or you could go to like, you know, I don't know, Boston Pizza, or like at two a.m. I don't do that. Um, but the point is, if you could go and do that and buy a two for 20 or a two for 40 like me and save one for later, you can sponsor another child or a child. It's just we want to feed ourselves sometimes more than we want to feed others. It's natural. It's just part of us. That's what keeps us from doing that. My wife's idea was just to split Starbucks. That's all it took to afford it. I wrote a letter because that's part of what you can do. And I wrote a letter because I wanted to see if I would get one back because I didn't think it was real. I thought they went in the chute like boom, 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 over in like a warehouse in Phoenix. And there's these guys writing letters with like left hand and crayon. <laughs> I like soccer or as we call football. You know what I mean? Come on, Steve, we got to crank these out. You know, like Red Bull and Marlboro's are just writing letters. <laughs> this kid's from Bolivia, draw a bird. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I thought. No one else has ever thought that. <laughs> I got on a plane from Minneapolis and I flew to Houston, Texas and then Managua, Nicaragua and I went to the house of like my first little girl 
where she lived, and I knocked on the door. And it swung open like a gate. And I didn't know, but it's like hope walked in, and she started to weep. She looked at me, and she looked at my wife, and she says, Erico, Daniela, you've come. And she knows me by name by the letters that I'd written her daughter. She grabs me around the neck, and she starts to weep. And she says, Eric, thank you for being Jesus to my family. Thank you for giving my daughter, Crystal, You know what I almost missed that moment for? (laughs) My own Starbucks. Where is your treasure? So I want to challenge you, if you're here today and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you found a church that wants to journey with you as you journey with and to Jesus. If you have something in your life that you need hope, that you need to be prayed for and and with and to walk, there'll be people at at the close of the service that the cross to my right and to my left that would love to have that conversation and help you take those next steps. But if you're here today and you, well, maybe you've thought about sponsoring a child, could today be your day? where you actually do it. Maybe you sponsored and you quit. Nobody's looking over your shoulder going, that is wrong that you did that. Nobody's putting guilt on you, so don't put it on yourself. But you can sponsor again. Failure is not trying again. Maybe you're here with a friend and you can't sponsor a child by yourself, but you could go halves with a friend that you're sitting next to. Sponsor a child together. Go halves on a kid. You go halves on pizza, go halves on a kid. Girls, you go to the bathroom together, how come you can't sponsor a child together? (laughs) Not wrong. Parents, if you're here, you should sponsor children for every child you have or every child you want to have. That's what we do. Last Christmas, my son Xavier walked up to me and he was holding one of his toys. He's nine now. He was eight then and he said, Dad, I want to give this Christmas gift. I go, to who? And he goes, I want to send it to Edward. Edwards in Kenya. And all those moments where I feel like I'm screwing up my kids, like, you know what I'm talking about, moms and dads? They're like, oh, I'm going to pay for this one, some sort of therapy. (laughs) This is going to show up on a pie chart for sure. (laughs) I mean, moms and dads, you ever feel like that? Like the moms and dads that are like on the tables with their kids, you ever feel like you're just like kind of fumbling your way through this thing called parenting. When these kids were born, they didn't hand you a baby in a manual. It was like just the baby. You're like, what do I do? Figure it out. Good luck. Get a minivan. You'll need it. (laughs) But all those moments, that was one Christmas morning. I got to be very transparent. I just felt like I got it right. As a dad, to shepherd and to steward a part of the world he'd never see and to see that generosity already in him at that age I just, I wept. Grandparents, you should sponsor a child for every grandchild you have. Grandma, if you have nine grandkids, you should get another job. (laughs) But the point is, is, 
I don't know what it is. I mean, in fact, can I just ask a question? Because I know this church is so evolved. Can I just celebrate this with you? And I know, I know you, some of you might not be comfortable doing this, but if you currently sponsor a child with World Vision or Compassion or Food for the Hungry or some amazing org, can you just put your hand up? If you currently sponsor a child, just put it up and leave it up. I, I know some of you don't have your hand up because you don't want to or you just don't yet, but look, look around this church just for a second. Look at all the hands. Thank you for doing what you do. And I give you permission. If you had your hand up, you can sponsor another one. (laughs) Do you know who challenged me the most in this? A little girl from Edmonton. She was a seventh grader. And she sponsors seven kids. She talked to me off stage after I preach at this thing called YC in Edmonton. She says, Eric, I feel like God's calling me to sponsor a child for every grade I'm in. She graduated high school two years ago, sponsoring 12 kids as a 12th grader. You can sponsor another one. I promise it's possible. Church, have hope. Have hope. There's hope for Winnipeg. There's hope for your life. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your family. Have hope. And when you have it, allow God to direct that genuine opportunity in front of you to be it. Don't just have hope. Be hope. Don't just pray for hope. Become hope. Do the natural. Let him do the super. The enemy will use treasure to pull you from what's important and people are where it's stored. And there's a million and one ways we could do that. Like this week, in this community, with this church and these people. One way that this church is doing that is with those people at that church in this place, in Tunio, in Kenya, Africa. And if, you, if you're here today and, and I'm talking to you um, and you'd be comfortable in doing this, is there anybody here that I'm just going to go out on a limb for Helena because she's eight years old. Her birthday is April 6th. There's a bunch of information on her. It's step one, step two. It's all it takes. And you turn it in at the table in the back by coffee. Is there anybody here that would just say, I'd be bold enough um, just to say, I'll, I'll sponsor that little girl in your hand? Is anybody here? I would say that. Okay, I saw this hand first. I'm sorry. What I need you to do, and those of you that want to do that now, Chris, do you have any other kids from this project? Anybody else just want to put their hand up and say, you know, I've thought about doing this. I've thought about sponsoring a child. I've sponsored and I quit. I do it again. I'd sponsor another one. Just put your hand up. Just put it up and leave it up. Anybody else? It's a bunch of hands over here. Just keep it up. I know it's a little bold. If you don't want to raise your hand, it's okay. I totally get it. Just go to the lobby. I don't like taking things from strangers in the dark either. But if, if you do and you feel bold enough, it just helps you with this process because it's, it's tough. There's a family over there. There's just not enough volunteers. There's a lady over there. Somebody give her a child from that project. Anybody else? I'm just waiting just for a couple seconds. And if you don't want to raise your hand, go to the table. Or if you have questions, go to the table in the back where the coffee is or was. 
Anybody else? All right, a whole bunch of packets in this room. Let me pray for these kids. Let me pray for your country. And let me pray for you. God, I'm so thankful that these lives that are on these packets are opportunities for us. These aren't just children in a picture. These are pieces of treasure that we get to store up. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the connectivity, for the, for the strategic partnership between soul and between this church partnership in Tunio. Thank you for the, the chance we get to have to play in the restoration to allow the gate of hope to swing wide on our life. Thank you. I pray, God, that you would be with these kids as these people fill out these forms and turn them in before they go, that these kids would go with them. For those that are here that are on the brink or on decision of sponsoring another child or, or maybe their third or their fourth or, or maybe to do it again or to do it with a friend in this room, God, I pray that they would really ask the question, what is keeping them from doing that? And if it is treasuring the wrong place and the wrong things, I've got a Holy Spirit speak to them. If it's a lack of funds in a very real way, God, I pray that you would provide a job, that you would provide opportunity, that you would provide blessing for those people that need that channel of their life uh, to see a miracle. God, today on this day that we call Canada Day, that a lot of the world doesn't even know it's happening including some Canadians in this room, God. God, I celebrate this country and these people. I pray, Lord, that the, the Church of Canada would not look to the South or to Australia or to some other place of how to do church, but they would be the church for this country. God, I pray that the independence that these people celebrate from a queen both figuratively and metaphorically and in reality. God, this, this independence from an empire, God, would only lead this country to dependence on a king and to a kingdom. God, I celebrate that independence, but I call out that dependence on you. I pray that you would bless this nation, that you would keep this nation strong, that you would allow this place to not only be a light for those that are on the outside, but God, that you would allow this to be a place where people on the inside would continue to carry that torch. God, I pray for the future of this nation, that it would be favored, that it would be blessed, that as their anthem says, God, you would always be with it. God, I pray for the people that are in this room that find themselves in hopeless situations. God, it is not by chance that they have walked in the doors at a place called Soul Sanctuary for rescue, for refuge, for rejuvenation. It is not by chance that they walked into this place on this Sunday looking for hope with a message of hope. 
God, I pray that they would find it in very real ways that are tangible, that can be counted, that can be tasted, that can be seen. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would impact their life in such a way that they cannot put into words that they do not see, but it's something that they know. God, I pray for hope to invade their life. Those hopeless situations that they're facing, that new normal that's on the other side of this tragedy, that journey that they didn't plan on taking, that need that they have that seems like it's breaking. Jesus, be their hope. God, thank you for letting me be here with these people. I celebrate that today, on this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Jerry, would you come and just bless us as we go? Will you all please stand with me? Thank you for making this a priority today, and I trust that you've been challenged. And thank you, Eric, for sharing your heart and what's on your mind and what the Holy Spirit has put there. Thank you so much. Uh, some house rules, family. Uh, we have a full teardown, so if you have a few minutes to give, and you have some uh, able-bodied arm power, we need to stack the chairs eight high and push them over to the east side stage. If you can help us out with that, I'd appreciate it. Next week... I'm speaking. Here's my homework. Rembrandt did a painting called The Prodigal Son. It's a picture of the son on his knees in his father's chest and three individuals watching. You can Google it, look for it. My assignment to you is to study that painting. So pull it up on the computer screen and look at it because that's what we're going to talk about next week. How's that to get your interest going? In ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving a blessing did likewise. If you'd like a blessing before you go, just put your hands in the air. And for our guests, wave them like you just don't care. Say, hey. Say, ho. I don't believe you guys even did that. Soul Sanctuary. May you go with God's blessing today. Go now as torchbearers to a world in darkness. Go now as hope carriers to a world in despair and go in the name of Christ. Go in the love of God and go in the power of the Spirit. Now go and live the church. We'll see you next week. Be blessed.